great day and we thank you for Jesus and for celebrating his birth and God, we just thank you for giving us an opportunity to come to your house to sing and to pray and to give and to fellowship and to hear a word from you. And Father, we pray that this word today will enrich our lives, that you will be glorified, your people will be edified, and Satan will be terrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once again, Luke chapter 2. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse, words of Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life i want to preach today from the subject what christmas is all about what christmas is all about it's an exciting time of year isn't it i mean families visiting i looked out i saw mother hester welcome to our worship today it's so good to see you and 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 our daughter Dell is in town and our granddaughter and they should be here at 11 o'clock and some of you have guests that are visiting family members and what about shopping I mean all of us uh, most of us I should say enjoy some shopping and we enjoy the excitement and enthusiasm of sharing gifts with each other and seeing our grandchildren smile and even the little babies uh, just kind of cool and excited Right. And dinner, you know, the special dinner, all of our favorite things we like to eat and the church is decorated, decorated and the mistletoe and just all of these things that add to the excitement of Christmas. Yet that's not what Christmas is all about. They are good things. They're not they're not bad things, but. That's just not what Christmas is all about. So today from our text, I want to uh, just share several things concerning what Christmas is all about. First, Christmas is all about the greatest love ever shown. If you're taking notes, you can write that one down. You can put it in your minds, but it's about the greatest love ever shown. There will never be any greater love than that which was demonstrated on the first Christmas morning. For 400 years, God had been silent from uh, uh, 400 years. He had not spoken. And then on that first Christmas morning, he spoke and he spoke with the voice of love. Here it is, y'all. For God so loved the world. The point Jesus drives home in this verse is that nothing can compare to the intense, the passionate, the, the, the consecrated, and the extreme love of God for you and me. No love you'll ever experience will ever equate to the love of God that was shown to us on that first Christmas morning. Even though we were... As a people, all of us, there are no exceptions. Even though we were all stalled, we were all stuck, we were all staggering in a sin-sick stupor, God loved us. 
And it doesn't take very long just to think about how we all, before coming to Christ, we were stuck, we were staggering, we were stalled in a sin-sick stupor. And in the midst of all of that, God loved us. Even though we were repulsive, even though we were rebellious, even though we were resistant towards God, his word, his holiness, and some of us, like Paul, were rebellious even against his church, he still loved us. And the amazing thing about God's love for us is that it remained, underscore this, undisturbed. Notice what the Apostle Paul wrote about the undisturbed nature or the undisturbedness of God's love in Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his love for us while we were yet sinners or while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Y'all, that is undisturbed love. The fact that we were wallowing in sin did not disturb, did not postpone, did not prohibit what God did for us in Christ on that first first Christmas morning to save us. That's undisturbed love. It's undisturbed love. But not only is God's love for us undisturbed, underscore this, God's love for us is undeterred. What does that mean? God's love was undeterred, and it still is. It means that God did not jettison, God did not abort, God did not drop or terminate his mission to save us, rescue us, deliver us from the destruction of sin because he saw something in us that changed his mind about us. Isn't that amazing that God's love is undeterred? Last week, while Sister Pickett and I were celebrating our 41st wedding anniversary, we walked out on the beach to watch a rocket launch. The rocket was scheduled, we were told, to launch at uh, 9.15. And so we were out on the beach early with some other folk who had invited us. And we were all waiting for the rocket to launch. And then an individual on his cell phone says, wait a minute, I have an update. The rocket is due to launch at 9.35. And so we waited and waited and and waited and finally 9.35 came and the individual says, wait a minute, I have another update. He says, the launch has been terminated for today. You you see, I I began to to rationalize that uh, apparently mission control or the engineers or whoever was calling the shots saw something that they didn't like 
Perhaps it was a change in, in weather. Perhaps there was something uh, that they found with the rocket. We don't know for sure. It was pretty windy that day, and the visibility wasn't that great. But whatever the case may be, they canceled the rocket launch because they saw something. Well, I'm here to inform us today and to remind others of us today that nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can cancel God's love for us. Even when we sin and fall short of the glory of God, he does not cancel his love. Unlike the rocket launch, God never cancels his love in fact the love of some people is like insurance policy you you're all right with the insurance companies many of them as long as you pay your premiums that is do your part when you're supposed to do your part you are right with them Some insurance companies, you're all right with them. As long as you don't have any accidents, as long as you don't have any claims, you're okay with them. But the moment you have an accident or you file too many claims, your insurance policy is in jeopardy with some companies in jeopardy of increasing or being canceled altogether because you are too much of a risk, too much of a liability. They see too much in your driving habits and your record that they don't like, and so your policy is canceled. Well, Christmas reminds us that our loving Heavenly Father does not operate in such petty fashions. God does not cancel his love policy because we let him down. God does not stop loving us because we don't live up to his standards. God does not stop loving us. Make no mistake, mistake about it. While God loves us, he certainly does not love our sinful attitudes and our sinful behaviors. And he has some creative ways of getting our attention, doesn't he? And letting us know when we are off track. God has convincing methods, persuasive means, compelling measures that lets us know that he is not pleased with our attitudes and our actions. God has ways, doesn't he, of getting our attention. And he disciplines us. And like a good father, when we need it, He punishes us, but that doesn't mean he stops loving us. Why? Because God's love is undeterred. Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, underscore this, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But not only is God's love undisturbed and undeterred, 
God's love is undeserved. For the reality is, not one of us here today good enough to deserve God's love. Not one of us have good enough to to deserve God's love. It doesn't matter how much good we do, we can never on our own accord deserve God's love. It doesn't matter where we uh, attend church. It, It doesn't matter what our religious titles are. They can be bishop and elder and pastor and deacon, whatever, but our titles don't constitute deserving God's love. It doesn't even matter how long we've been saved. It doesn't deserve, we don't deserve God's love. You see, God's love is strictly a matter of God's amazing grace. The Apostle Paul made this point clear in Ephesians 2 and 8, writing, for it is by grace It is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is, get this, a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we find that Christmas is all about the greatest love ever shown. It doesn't get any better than this. That she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. It doesn't get any better than that. Second, we find that Christmas is all about the greatest gift ever given. Look at the text. John 3.16 states again in reference to God that he gave his one and only son. No matter what you get for Christmas, it will not equal this gift. You may get the diamond you wanted. You may get the engagement ring you wanted. You might get the Lexus you wanted, the Volvo, the Maserati, the Beamer, the Mercedes. All of those things are nice gifts, but they will never equal to the babe of Bethlehem. It's the best gift you will ever get. gift ever given so on the first Christmas God gave the world the very best that he had only God's best Jesus lived a sinless life Moses was good Joshua was good Esther was good Ruth was good but none of them lived a sinless life only God's very best Jesus lived a sinless life. Only God's best, Jesus died a sacrificial death. Only God's best gift died on that cross for you and for me. He hung there suffering, bleeding, and dying. Only God's best. David was a great leader, but he wasn't God's best to the world. Joshua was a great leader, but he was not God's best to the world. God 
was best with Jesus because he died for our sin. Only God's best Jesus rose from the grave with all power given unto him. And only God's best Jesus has been commissioned to return to get his church at God's appointed time. So it was the shepherds sang about him. The wise men traveled far to see him. Simeon drew him close and embraced him. Joseph and Mary marveled at him. The prophetess Anna proclaimed him to all who would listen. Why? Because he was the greatest gift ever given. So as we journey through life, we will receive fine, many fine and greatly appreciated gifts. I know I have, and hopefully you have, and if not, you will. But nothing will compare to the babe of Bethlehem born over 2,000 years ago. God wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. Yet he was God's absolute best, the best gift ever given. Thirdly, in the text, we find the greatest invitation ever extended. Notice the words that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You see, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God extended the greatest invitation humanity has or ever will know. When their time had come. Mary gave birth to a baby Jesus, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And from that gift came the greatest invitation that humanity has ever known. Why is it so great? Why? Why is it so great? Well, it's great because it's an open invitation. You know, there's some invitations that go around, perhaps at your office or even perhaps at the church or in your family, and your name is not on it. Uh, there's some invitations that go around, and, and your name is not on it. But this invitation, your name, my name, everyone's name is on it. The invitation reads, who Soever believes in him, that means whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your past has been, whenever you choose to, you can come to Jesus just as you are. That's what Christmas is all about. The gifts are good. The shopping is good. Family gatherings are good. But this is the greatest invitation you will ever get. Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that a great invitation? Aren't you glad that one day you got that invitation and you accepted that invitation? But not only is it an open invitation, it's an overwhelming invitation. Sometimes it's hard to believe that a holy God has invited unholy sinners to come and be a part 
of his family. Isn't that overwhelming? When I think about my past, it's overwhelming that God would invite me to be a part of his family. And I'm sure when you think about your past life, it's overwhelming to think that God would give you an invitation to become a part of his family. God has invited unholy sinners to come and be a part of his royal family. And and you know what? The list of unholy people who have received his invitation with gladness of heart is remarkable. People like Moses, the murderer. People like David, the adulterer and the murderer. People like Rahab, the prostitute. People like the thief on the cross who was guilty for his sin. People like John Newton, the slave trader. People like you and me. And the list goes on and on and on. Not only is it an open invitation, an overwhelming invitation, it's oft time an overlooked invitation. It's overlooked invitation, like the invitations that come our way at times, and we say, oh, I don't want that. Or it's an invitation to a social gathering, or an invitation to a personal party, or some other type of event, and we lay it to the side, or we put it in file 13, and we say, oh, I don't want that. Or maybe next year I'll go, or that's not important to, important to me. Well, the same holds true for this invitation from Jesus. It's an overlooked invitation. It's overlooked, and you can tell it's overlooked. You can listen to how some people talk, and you know they're overlooking the invitation. You can look at the behavior of people and you know that they're overlooking the invitation. You can read some bumper stickers on the bumpers on the back of cars and trucks and you know that that person or those persons have overlooked the invitation. It's overlooked the invitation because some people refuse still today the love, the grace, the mercy, and the goodness of God. Still over. Look at. Well, lastly, today, Christmas is all about the greatest destiny ever delivered. John 3:16 concludes with these words that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, as Christians, God delivered your destiny and my destiny 2,000 years ago. He signed the deal at Bethlehem with the birth of his son, Jesus. He sealed the deal at Calvary with the death of his son, Jesus, who cried out, it is finished. And the destinies of all who trust in him as Lord and Savior were sealed. That, my brothers and sisters, is what Christmas is all about. That's why the church has been able to sing down throughout the ages, and that's why the church will sing today, and that's why we'll sing tomorrow night at the Christmas Eve service, and that's why people will sing around dinner tables all over the world, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth 
receive her king. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men and women their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocky hills and plains repeat the sound joy. That's what Christmas is all about. Father, we thank you.